take notes just to make it easy. And you should have a gospel, little gospel track. And uh, let me say a couple things and we'll get started. One is uh, the title, No Sweat Evangelism. Uh, it, it doesn't mean it's easy to witness. Uh, there's spiritual warfare when you witness. And uh, I've been teaching evangelism about 30 years. And I will tell you, uh, there's, there's occasions. I'll just give you an example. Uh, just last month, I was in, at Starbucks, and uh, I was in a hurry. And uh, as I stood in line, felt a little, a little nudge to talk to someone. And my first response, I teach this all the time, my first response, I ain't got time, man, I'm late. And I thought that in my mind. But what I was really saying, I guess, was, Lord, you don't get it. I've, it's, you don't know what time it is. And second thing, uh, and by the way, if you witness, you do this some too. Second thing, the guy in front of me just had a look about him. I just thought, he ain't interested. I mean, you know, you just, I'm just saying because you can have a hundred reasons. So, and I'll tell you why that happens. Because of spiritual warfare. There's a reason Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God. And he doesn't leave a part of the body off. I mean, from the head to the toe, from the helmet of salvation to the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. No sweat evangelism means this. If you want to share, it's not hard to know what to share. Because the message is so simple. It's why if you flip through television... And uh, you happen to land on, and I'm just, everybody likes different pastors, but you, say you landed on a David, Jeremiah, Charles Stanley. If you really like preaching and teaching, you might pause and listen. You're more than likely, if you're flipping through and see a Billy Graham, you might keep flipping. And I'll tell you why. More than likely, everyone here is saved tonight. And Charles Stanley or David, Jeremiah or Louis Giggle, whoever it is, most of the time they're preaching to us. Billy Graham hardly ever preaches to us when he was living. I mean, he preaches the simple gospel. It's just, it's the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. It, that, it's simple. In fact, if you've ever volunteered in vacation Bible school, what, what you would tell a first grader or second grader is what Billy Graham preaches. It's just, the gospel is not hard. So no sweat just simply means if you want to tell your neighbor who you know never goes to church, if you want to begin to have gospel conversations, it's not hard to know what to say. The problem is there has to be an intentionality. And so we're going to talk about four things and not four little areas that can help us to be intentional. And I'll just tell you, just say this. When, when I was on church staff, uh, there were times, because I knew I should be witnessing, there were times I would drive home from my office, church office, and I would say, Lord, I think it's been like two weeks since I've witnessed anybody. One of the reasons was, there's two reasons. Number one, no intentionality. Number two, when you're in a church all day, you normally are around people who are saved. And I know some people at church are not saved, but you're normally around people who are saved. So here I, I am on staff of a church, and sometimes the intentionality, I would get out of my car as I parked at my house, and I would put a gospel track on my driver's side seat for accountability. And what, what I was saying to myself is, when I get in this car tomorrow morning, I'm going to stop somewhere before I get to my office. What I would do is, I would stop somewhere and go and buy a cup of coffee. 
there was free coffee at the office. I really didn't care about that. I like coffee, but I didn't need the coffee. I needed a reason to go in. And uh, I'm just saying an intentionality. So simple, number two, think about gospel conversations. The, the problem with some of us is that we think witnessing, to, to be a witness, I have to have enough time, 15, 20 minutes to just go through everything. That's not true. Sometimes I have just 30 or 40 seconds. We'll talk about this as we get into the presentation. 30 or 40 seconds, and maybe I'm just planting something. Maybe I'm just planting a seed. In fact, Apostle Paul says that some people plant, some people water, but God gives the increase. You will hardly ever, it can happen, hardly ever see someone saved who that was the first time they heard the gospel. I was in seminary. Uh, I was the minister of evangelism at First Baptist Church New Orleans. And uh, around this time of the year, this has been, been a long time ago, but around this time of the year, towards the end of a year, I got to thinking, I wonder all these people were baptizing. I wonder how many times they've heard the gospel. So because it's on my mind and uh, the, the year is about to end, I made myself a note. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone who got baptized. By the way, that year we baptized Peyton Manning. Uh, uh, Archie Manning, Olivia Manning, his parents were act, very active at First New Orleans. But So... Uh, I asked everybody. We must have baptized 150 people. And I asked everybody. I didn't baptize, but I was behind the scenes. I was the guy who scheduled baptisms. And I asked everybody the question, hey, when you made your public profession of faith of the day, was the first time you heard the gospel? And everybody said, oh, no. And they told stories like uh, vacation Bible school. They told stories like a revival meeting. They told stories about coworkers or friends. And so sometimes we think we have to have time, and sometimes we do have time, but, but most of the time I witness and have gospel conversations, uh, people are busy. I don't always have time to just take 20 minutes. I don't mind taking the time, but sometimes they're just like a convenience store. The person serving me coffee, you know, if I buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks, if there's a long line behind me, they obviously don't have 20 or 30 minutes. I get it, but sometimes I can just plant a little gospel seed in the midst of the conversation. So anyway, look at your sheet. And uh, this should be on the PowerPoint as we go on. Uh, first thing is this. Own your role as a missionary. Own your role as a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. You know, we, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and uh, most of my life growing up, if you asked me about a missionary, I thought the missionary was always the person overseas. That's the person serving in China, and they are missionaries. But all of us are called to be a missionary. Uh, God, God was wise in what he did. What God's done is this. For example, the neighborhood I live in, more than likely you will never witness in my neighborhood. There's a great chance you could live to be 100 and never drive into the subdivision I live in or vice versa. But you don't really have to. Why? Well, God's got a few people like me there, my wife, and there's a few other Christians. Actually, it's our job as we go to the mailbox and wave at the neighbor. It's our job as we see people walking uh, for exercise in our subdivision stuff. It's, it's our job to witness to people and so on. So God's got you where you are. And, and the reality is this, where God has you, don't wait for Charles Stanford, Louis Gigolo, whoever. They probably will never see that person who's, who's, who you see in your, well, I call it your circle of influence, the people you see in your circle of influence where you buy groceries, the, the subdivision you live in, sometimes in our own house or family. For example, Thanksgiving is coming up. Sometimes some of us will see people 
uh, who are related to us uh, that don't know Christ. It's an opportunity uh, to talk about Christ, to plant those gospel seeds. So on your own as a missionary, uh, view yourself biblically. View yourself biblically. Uh, how do you do this? Well, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And I want you to listen to this verse. We are ambassadors for Christ. And Paul says this. And, and it, it wasn't in Scripture, and you said this. I said, oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Listen to what Paul says. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God is speaking through you. We entreat people. What he's saying is, when my, I'm at the mailbox and the guy's excited because the Atlanta Braves just won a world championship and I have enough spiritual knowledge to take that conversation and bring it somehow back to the gospel. Paul says, that's not really you speaking. That's God speaking through you. Now, you may or may not believe 2 Corinthians 5. You may say, I don't really believe that particular verse. Uh, but if you believe that verse, doesn't that make tomorrow more exciting? What it means is, I may run into somebody tomorrow that God gives me the opportunity to have a gospel conversation. I should never go with the fact, when I think about who I am and who God is, that God actually wants to use me to speak to me. And that's what that verse says. Uh, as though God were making appeal towards us. And that, that, that's, that's why Paul later said, some plant, some water. It's God. God's the one who's working through you. He gives the increase. So view yourself biblically. Uh, and then kill the ants, A-N-T-S. And that stands for automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. We do this all the time, by the way. It's how we get out of obeying God. Uh, and so God tells us to be witnesses. And, and it's hard to read Scripture and not believe that. For example, when Jesus, after the resurrection, tells us what he wants us to do. Uh, of course, if you read all the gospel when he's, when he's, you know, before he's crucified, he's telling us, I mean, he's telling us. He says things like, for example, uh, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's not a hard verse to understand. That's not one of those verses, I, let me get a commentary. Well, if you get a commentary, you're going to find out it means he came to seek and save that which was it's just what it means. It's an easy thing. It's not a hard thing to, to, to understand. He says things like this to his disciples. Lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white to the harvest. He tells us this. The harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. What he's saying is there's nothing wrong with the harvest. By the way, in my job, I have to keep up with this. There's 10 point something million people in Georgia. Every leading expert, I don't care who it is, who teaches evangelism, will tell you we believe about 9 million people in Georgia are lost. In other words, and, and most counties, by the way, most counties have about 86 to 90% of people on Sundays that are at home. They're not in church. I'm just telling you, it's mind-boggling. That's a great opportunity if you like gospel conversations because in Georgia, our state is full of people who never give any thought to God unless something changes it's going to keep increasing every year. I've been in Georgia since 1993. Every, I thought it was bad in 93. Every year it's increasing. Every year it's increasing. Uh, so we need to view ourselves. We need to kill the ants, automatic negative thoughts. So I'll list a few. There's an ant of 
I can't. I can't do it. Uh, for example, I may hear the Great Commission. And uh, after the resurrection, Jesus said, just in case you missed it, he says, go in all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, he, three and a half years, he modeled it. But then he says, you need to go. And it really means as you go. And that's why we talk about gospel conversations. In, in Jesus' time, they didn't have as much like a may not outreach or we're going to meet one Saturday and go out witnessing. That's fine. What he told them is as you, as you live your life, look for opportunities. That makes witnessing pretty easy. Why? Because all of us, all of us do things. All of us, we buy gas somewhere. We buy groceries somewhere. We have neighbors. All of us see people. That's not the question. The question is, do I take the opportunity to be a witness? Uh, so, so I hear, for example, uh, Justin preaches on bitterness and something happened to me 20 years ago. As I leave, I might say, I understand what you're saying, but there's someone I just can't forgive. And what that does is it, relieve, it, 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 it relieves the conviction I'm feeling. Uh, I hear Justin preach a series on prayer. And I just kind of say, I don't think anything about it. I say something like, I can never pray that way. I do a lot of revivals. I'm in a lot of services. Here's what I hear all the time, and I'm sure you hear as a pastor. As they leave, especially in the back second hands, Pastor Justin, you give me a lot to think about. What I'm really telling you is, I'm going to think about it, but I ain't going to do it. Because if I was going to do it, I'd have done it at the altar when you gave the invitation. And, or we say things like this, man, you really stepped on my toes. And I'm thinking, really? Because you didn't make a move during the invitation. If you felt a conviction, I can't. It's all over what we do. And so, for example, I could never witness. Why? I wouldn't know what to say. Which is a very strange comment. I've heard men who are 75 years old who have been saved since they were five. You wouldn't know what to say about Jesus? Or someone says, I'm just kind of shy. As though God said, go into all the world. Now, if you're shy, now, that's, don't, don't worry about that. He wants us all to be a witness. He wants us all to share. And uh, then there's the end of comparison. I, I mentioned guys like Louis Gigolo and some, some well-known preachers, the Billy Graham when he's alive. Sometimes we say, well, I could never do what they're doing. And you're correct, but God didn't call you to do what they're doing. And by the way, gospel conversations... And what you would do does not resemble what a Billy Graham did. No one would do that in somebody's living room. For, for example, uh, Billy Graham, when he was living, uh, often preached 89,000 people. And in Korea, one time, he preached to a crowd of about 2 million people. I mean, he, he preached to huge crowds. When you, when you speak in the huge, huge crowds, you know, if you ever watch somebody like Dr. Graham, I'm just using him, it could be anybody, you know, he was like this. If you're in somebody's living room and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. It's just, it, there, there's a crowd psychology. And sometimes we think, I could never, you know, Pastor Justin, he's, got, he's good speaking. Well, he's a pastor. He, he doesn't witness the way he's up here on Sunday because it's a different platform, it's a different opportunity. So sometimes we compare ourselves. And when I compare myself, sometimes I just come to the conclusion, well, I could never be a Charles Stanley or whoever it is. Well, God didn't call me to be that. He called me to be who he wants me to be in him. And he's put me around certain people that those people I've just mentioned are probably never going to be around and just to have gospel conversations. Uh, third thing is there's the ant of fear, and that's probably one of the greatest ones. We're just afraid. It just, just, and sometimes we're afraid, to be honest with you, 
sometimes I'm afraid of what somebody may think of me. And I'm telling you, in, in re- recent days, I don't have to go back too many weeks or months to say something in my heart to God like this. That, that guy looks mean. He ain't interested in this. I mean, I can just tell. You ever thought that? I can just tell that. I can tell that guy ain't got no interest in this, this kind of stuff. What I'm really saying, though, is, Lord, if I, if I start talking to that guy, he's going to think I'm a nut. He's going he's gonna to think that I'm a fanatic. And so sometimes we have fear, and I always know this about fear. If I have this kind of fear, I know it's not of God because God says, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. So I know if I have this kind of fear, there's verses like fear of the Lord, that's more of an awe. But if I have the kind of fear like I'm just, I'm, I can't obey God because I'm afraid, you just have to press through that. You just have to, have to work through that. Uh, then, then there's the, with the antifit, then I'll get into And then you must invite accountability. Invite accountability. L- listen, this is true of anything, not just evangelism. It's true of discipleship. It's true of so many things. But... Since it's evangelism, I would say this. Find somebody and just ask them. Just say, hey, for example, this would be easy. Uh, ask somebody, ask a friend, say, hey, some guy came to our church. I don't remember his name. Works at the state convention. Talked about having gospel conversations. I really feel like I should. Would you text me every Saturday or whenever? Would you text me every Saturday and just say, hey, did you have any? Uh, let me give you an example. This is my second time to work with the state convention. When they asked me if I'd come back, I got a call one day, said, would you think about coming back? The, the first uh, staff meeting we had, my boss, in the midst of the staff meeting, wasn't on the agenda, in the midst of the staff meeting, said, well, let's take just a second, pointed at a guy. It wasn't me, pointed. He said, hey, share your most recent gospel conversation. When he did that, when Levi did that, I'm taking notes of some other stuff he's talking about. I'm looking at him, but I'm writing still. I wrote this, be ready. I put a little, and what that meant was I need to be ready. So sometimes, I know what he's doing. I never asked him this. I don't have to ask him. I know what he's doing. What he was doing is he was telling us, you are not going to work with me and go around talking about evangelism if you're not doing evangelism. In other words, you ought to be doing what you're teaching. So sometimes I'll have a great gospel conversation, just a really good one, and he calls on someone else, and I'm like, Dad, burn, I was, I mean, I was ready to this thing. It's called accountability, though. And uh, when I pastored, by the way, when I pastored, uh, let me tell you, I'm going to say this, I don't talk about numbers. I pastored church, we had about 2,000 people every Sunday morning. When I pastored my first staff meeting, we had some interns in there. I told them, I said, hey, I'm going to give you a heads up. We won't do it the day. And this was many years ago. I said, we won't do it the day. But there will be times, probably two or three times a month, where we're just going to pause and we're going to point at somebody. And, and I was used to doing that too, what my boss did. And then I said this. I said, so we want to be sharing gospel conversation. And I, I actually said this. And my boss implied it. He, I don't know. He may tell me I'm wrong on, on what I'm thinking about the accountability but I actually told my staff, I said, you will not be on our payroll and not share Jesus. I mean, it's just, it's just it should never happen. And I said this, I said, and by the way, anyone around this table in a staff meeting can say, Paul, you can point at me. I hope you do. I need the accountability. 
I said, and sometimes when you see another staff member, not, not every day, don't be legalistic, but you may see me somewhere, I would welcome you saying, hey, pastor, you got about two minutes, share, share your most recent conversation. We had a guy named Daniel, 20 years old. This is the Lord's church. I'm getting a cup of coffee. He walks by. He stops and says, hey, pastor, when was your last conversation? And I said this, thank you, brother. And I shared my last gospel conversation. If you don't have accountability, you need it. By the way, there's two reasons people don't like accountability. You're either not doing what you should be doing or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Because if you're trying to serve God, accountability is a very good thing to have. And this is just on evangelism. I would have accountability on everything. I've got guys I meet with and we ask questions and stuff. It's, it's a good thing. So on your role as a missionary, and we're funny. Sometimes we hear something like this and we're like, ah. we ought to say, are you serious? You mean God not only saved me, he actually wants to use me? He has no other plan. That, that's, that, that's the plan. He's not going to send an angel to your next door neighbor. His plan is he uses people to reach other people. That, that's what his plan is. So on your own as a mission, number two, choose to be super intentional. And I, and I already told you, even when I was on church staff, if I did not seek to be intentional, I didn't do evangelism like I should. And here's why. Most people don't hold us accountable in evangelism. In other words, uh, when I was on church staff, if somebody came to me and said, did you know Miss so-and-so was in the hospital? If I said, not, yeah, I ain't got time to mess with it, I'm not going to last too long. I mean, I mean, they'll call you. No one ever called me to say, hey, a new neighbor just moved in. I talked to him. He's lost and going to hell, preacher. Why don't you go talk? Nobody held me, held me accountable for evangelism. I have never been interviewed for a church position where someone said in the interview, well, Steve, uh, take five or six minutes. Tell us about your daily, weekly witnessing life. You know why? It's not on our agenda. It's not, we don't think about it. It, it. And by the way, it's why people can go to church and never miss for 50 years. And their neighbor who lives by for 50 years never goes to church, doesn't know Jesus, and they have all kind of conversations. The weather, the Braves, the Falcons, the Bulldogs, they have all kind of conversations, hunting, fishing, so on. But they never take the opportunity to talk about the Lord. And so you have to be super intentional. Let me tell you how. Number one, who? And these are just four questions. Who? And who is this? Who are you trying to reach? Now, let me just say something. You may be a person that witnesses everywhere and keep on witnessing everywhere, but for people who don't share Christ and have gospel conversations, don't put 20 people on a list. You just won't do it. Pray about it and ask yourself, who is the person in your circle of influence that you ought to begin to pray for? Who's the person? It could, you could say, I've got a coworker. You, you might say, you know, I think my best friend. I don't think my best friend's saved. Uh, you might say, I've got a neighbor that a couple times a week I sit in the mailbox, and I don't, they, sh they show no uh, signs that they know Christ, and I, I need to find out their spiritual condition. But put that name down. Now, I would just put one name down. After you do the who, then you do the what. The what is this. What am I going to do about it? Well, there's a number of things. I'll give you a couple. One thing I'm going to do about it is this. 
that, that name I put down, that, that, that who, the what's going to be this. I'm going to start praying for that person. So whatever that name is, I'm going to begin to pray for that person. I'm going to pray things like, Lord, uh, give them a soft heart to hear the gospel. But I'm also, also going to begin to pray for me. Lord, since they are in my circle of influence, give me a divine opportunity and make it so obvious that I can take this conversation in a direction of knowing the Lord. Let me give you an example. This has been a long time ago before some of the students remember this, but when O.J. Simpson was on trial, and I'm, I'm just... I'm not giving you what I believe either way by his case, but when he's on trial, everywhere I went, I mean, you go to your gym, it's on the screen. I mean, it didn't matter, what, it didn't matter where it was, the topic of O.J. Simpson. And so I ran to a lot of people who felt like he was guilty, and that may just be the circle I traveled in. And there were people who would say things like, before the verdict, I but after the verdict, I heard a lot of people, this is not just what, I, I don't like what happened with O.J. Simpson, don't, about all that brought that about, but what an opportunity. Because I just looked at, I looked at strangers in the gym. I mean, they'd be watching, you know, we'd be watching ESPN and, you know, update on O.J. Simpson, you know, the white Bronco showed all kinds of things going on. It's un unjust. And I would just say, you think it's unjust? Yeah. You don't like things unjust. No. Well, you and luck. Because they made, if he's guilty, they may deceive that judge. But, buddy, you're going to stand for a judge one day. You won't have to worry about justice. You're going to get exactly what's coming to you. Huh? Yeah, you get, you get, you, you're going to be happy. Well, you really won't be happy. But, you know, there is another option. You, you see where I'm going with this? It's like, I, I, I hate that OJ had what happened, whatever he did. But my point is, it was a great opportunity. Or I could have just kept jogging or whatever I was doing in the gym and said, yeah, I hear you, man, and just keep on going. Intentionality makes you take that conversation. He, he put the ball on the tee for me. All these guys did. You're talking about a judge, and you think the judge is going to let him off, so you're talking about an injustice. God has never been unjust. He's a just God. And so for me to even be saved, someone has to be punished. And so it's just a great opportunity. So, so who... What and then when the win. This is intentionality. The win is this. So you're praying for your who and you're praying for yourself. So when am I going to actually do this? And the answer can be varied. For example, if it's your next door neighbor, and to use my illustration of seem like twice a week, you happen to go to the mailbox and your next door neighbor's on the other side of the street, or you say, Hey, I stopped twice a week at a quick trip and get a cup of coffee. It seems like I stopped there. 8 o'clock every Tuesday and Thursday morning, and unless this person is off, I always seem to see, see a couple of the same people waiting on us. And so you just say, well, I think, I think next Thursday. Now, it's easy in our day. It used to be had to either remember or put it on a piece of paper. I just put it on my phone. It pops up. And I'll tell you, sometimes it pops up, and I'm like, Oh, Lord, not, not today. It's easy to make commitment a week from now, but boy, it pops up. I think, ah, man, I don't know. I'll through it. I just thought, that, nope, nope, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have this conversation. And then where? And, and, and the when and where is pretty similar, but where just means uh, 
where do you intend for this to happen? And so sometimes it's been convenient for me to, because I have a little relationship with somebody, to say, hey, why don't you get a cup of coffee one day? And we're going to make small talk. They don't know this, but on my calendar, it's, you know, Bill Friday morning at IHOP for a cup of coffee, but it's like Bill slash gospel conversation. Now, he doesn't see my calendar, but that's what pops up for me. He doesn't understand or he doesn't realize until we get there. And by the way, what I do is as we make small talk, I'll just say something like this. Honesty is good. I'll just say, hey, Bill, I'm going to be honest with you. I asked you for coffee because I want to talk to you about something. I've known you for about a year, and I've never talked to you about this. I want to talk to you about Christ. I'm going to talk to you about church a little bit. You go to church, and I'm just saying that's just, that's just what I do. I just, I just go in that conversation. And by the way, no stress on me. If he told me I don't really want to hear this, I'm going to plug a little bit more. I'm just going to say, why wouldn't you want to hear it? And by the way, they normally don't say so with this. I don't feel any pressure. Why? I don't feel any pressure because my, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't know how far I can go with Bill. Sometimes people let you talk to him a long time. So, sometimes you can just tell they've had about all they can. You're, you're planting some seeds. But my point is, I'm just having gospel conversation. And the person that has a lot of gospel conversations, they talk about who's getting saved all the time. And you think, man, everybody you wouldn't say, actually, it's a small percent that they actually get saved. But the thing is, they're planting so many seeds. And when you plant enough seeds, you're going to see somebody come to know Christ. Uh, and, and let me ask you this. We won't talk about it. How would it change your life? Think about it. As a Christian, if you became intentional about gospel conversations, if you became intentional about having gospel conversations, well, it probably would make life more of an adventure, wouldn't it? Probably make life a little bit more exciting uh, because of the gospel conversations you're having. The third thing is this, the, the third big thing, is develop evangelistic curiosity. Develop evangelistic curiosity. Uh, what that means is be interested in people. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Most people are not that interested in other people. We, we, we got a little clique we're interested in, like we got friends or whatever. Uh, like Jesus said things like when you have a big dinner, invite, don't invite those you know and invite people you don't know. It doesn't make sense. Why would you invite people you don't know? That's just the way Jesus, he, he thought about others all the time. And uh, you want to develop evangelistic curiosity. Uh, I was jogging whenever, this is about three months ago, but uh, I stopped, it was at a park, but I stopped to walk probably half a mile back to where my parking lot was and the car was. But as I stopped to walk, about two minutes later, I came across a young couple, and they had a baby in a baby carriage. And it, the baby was, I mean, probably, it was three years old, probably. It was a big enough baby that could talk. And so as I walked by, hey, hey, the baby said. And I was like, hey, how you doing? But quickly the mom was like, almost like, you know, didn't want to talk to a stranger. And I, I actually thought this as I kept walking. I thought, keep doing that, mom. There come a day when they reach a certain age, they won't talk to anybody they don't know. They, they won't go. It's why you can go in churches sometimes and nobody knows you. Nobody, you know, they talk to each other. It's just, it's human nature. But you don't, you want to be like that child. In fact, what did Jesus say? Even getting saved, unless you become like a little child, you don't get saved. Because they just have such faith and just most of them are so outgoing and so on. But as an adult, you want to develop, develop evangelistic curiosity. So give an example. Just the other day. I go in, I buy some gas, and I go into this quick trip. 
And I'm going to be honest with you again, I didn't have to go in, but I paid for my gas, like most people, with my debit card. I went in. I had to have a reason to go in. I had to have a, so I went in, and uh, it, there's a lady there. It's a neat thing about a place like that. I don't have to ask them their name. They have it on, they have it on their shirt. And let me just tell you something. We live in a day when if you're interested in people, you stand out. So you walk in one day and you don't even know this person. And by the way, someone that works at Quick Trip uh, or any place, like if you're a, by the way, when you're in ministry, just like this, the average pastor I call and just say, hey, I'm going to be in your area, I like to and talk to you. I normally say, there's nothing bad. You know what they normally say? Man, thank you for telling me that. Because if you're in ministry, my wife's a school teacher is the same way. You don't, most people don't make appointments with a pastor. And when that time comes, they say, hey, pastor, I just want to come tell you, man, you're awesome. You're great. They're, going, they're making an appointment because either they've got something wrong in their life or they don't like the music you've been playing. They don't like the preaching. I mean, there's a reason. There's a, I'm just telling you, when I pass, when somebody says, hey, can I come out and see you Tuesday? Sometimes I would wonder, wonder, are they about to leave? I mean, I'm just, you just, because you just don't know. This is the way life is. So when you walk in, and this lady says, Stephanie, and uh, you pay for it, and you say, hey, Stephanie, I hope you have a great day. They're almost shocked, because most people don't walk in 730 in the morning, and all you got to do is walk in and look at people. Most people are in there like this. They're upset because they got a job that pays them they're about to go to. They're thinking, I mean, I'm just saying, that they've got a job that feeds them, but they really don't want to do it. It's just, that's life. And so, and by the way, I go to a gym. If you overhear people talk, I was on a treadmill a few days ago, and to my left, like, nobody was here, but then there was two ladies walking, and they were talking. They got talking about their husband. If you know human nature, let me ask this question. Do you think the conversation was, my husband must be the greatest husband in Georgia? And the other one says, well, I can up you on that. My husband must be the greatest husband in America. They were actually saying bad things. 30 minutes later, I went to the weight area of that gym, and two guys talking about their job. You think they were saying, I'll tell you what, oh, no job's perfect. But I'm grateful to have a job that put no. You know why? Because most people, apart from Jesus, they're negative, they're unkind. And so I intentionally do this. You go to that gym and you walk in, the guy behind the desk, morning, Jason, how you doing? Boy, he talks to you. And the first couple times they say, I'm, I'm okay. Then about a month into it, he said, I'm always glad to see you coming. Well, I know you are. I didn't tell him this. I know you are because you're behind that desk and most people who are going to talk to you they're talking about the gym fees. They're mad at you. They've lost their card. There's something they don't like because that's the way life is. And so this Stephanie lady getting older a little bit, and sometimes you come in, and uh, there's not that big a line. QT usually has a big line, but maybe it's not as busy. And uh, you say something like, hey, I see, I see you got a ring on you. married. What's your husband do? And you, get, you find out she's got a sophomore going to the University of Georgia. How's he doing? Well, he's he not. not Good in algebra. They're shy. I just had to put it in a journal because now we got smartphones. So I, just, you know, have a, I have a little file on my on my phone. So Stephanie QT could be Bob at, at wherever man woman doesn't matter. Uh, son named Joe goes to the University of Georgia. So a couple weeks later, hey Stephanie, how's your son doing? 
University of Georgia. He's doing a little bit better. Well, good. I've been praying for him. Really? I'll put him on prayer list. They're shocked. Not that you know their name because they got a name tag on. They're shocked that you know their son's name. I don't tell them this. Well, because I got on my phone. I looked at it before I walked in here. So, then there came a time I'm in there. And this is a, that happened to another lady that I've never met before. And so, as I'm leaving, I pay for my coffee. And I say just a little bit, but there's people behind me. But I say this. I said, uh, hey, have a great day. And she says, I've got the coffee. I'm like, hey, have a great day. I just, I really need one. There was a time when I wasn't intentional. I'd be like, yeah, okay, sounds good. I'd keep going. That's the way, by the way, that's the way most of us live, live our life. So have a great day. I really need one. Why would you say that? Response, and this is interesting. Never saw this person before. And if you talk a lot to people with advantage of curiosity, it's amazing what they'll share with you. Why would you need a good day? And she had some tears well up because I'm this close to divorce probably. I said, really? I said, what's your husband's name? I'll, I'll make sure I'm praying for him. My point is, you, you see what I'm saying? Didn't get to talk to her long. There's people in mind. But the word prayer means I believe in a God, and therefore I'm going to be praying. But I will tell you, if you develop evangelistic curiosity, and, I, and there's a prayer that I keep on my permanent prayer list just for me, and it is, Lord, in a busy world, Please keep my eyes open to what you want me to see, ears open to what you want me to hear. Because I'm just like you. I've got places to go. I've got to be, tomorrow morning, I've got to be at 8 o'clock with Stacey Dyer in Blue Ridge. Well, I live in Lilburn. But what I'm saying, so it's real easy. I'm like, all all of us are busy. It's real easy for me to really not even respond. It's like, you know, no skin off my nose. I don't even know who this lady is. People get divorced all the time. It's just the way life is. But God's got me here, and he's got me here for a purpose. And so we have a bunch of curiosity. Uh, in my gym the other day, saw someone. I'd seen him before, but they're new there. And they've got a tattoo of a cross. So I immediately, when I saw him the first time, I was like, next time I see him. So I walked over to him like I was about to do something with where, in the area he's in. I said, uh, I was kind of looking away or something. I said, hey, uh, that's a pretty neat tattoo. Of course, what would you say? Well, thank you. I mean, I mean. Most people don't complain when you compliment someone. That's a pretty neat looking tattoo. He said, well, thank you. I said, does that like mean something to you? No, not really. I just like tattoos. I said, really, huh? I said, it's interesting. I said, you know, that means a lot to me. He put his weight down. He said, really? I said, that has changed my life. It's changed my, the way, because I got saved before I got married. But I said, it's changed the way I relate to my wife. It changes the way I raised my son. It changes the way that I treat my neighbor. And I said, well, really, it's not as much that cross as what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago. And so my point is, he didn't get saved. I had a little bit of time. I took a little evangelist curiosity, and I use this phrase because it helps me. I went from the secular to the sacred. And so the other day, I was up in gas, just is like last week. And the guy on the other side, I don't know him, don't know, even know his name, don't remember much of what he looked like. And uh, I kind of glanced over and said, man, this gas is high. And then he said this, I just don't know what we're going to do if it gets any higher. I said, well, I wouldn't go that far. I know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? Man, I'm going to heaven one day. I ain't worry about this stuff. And I shared a little bit about the gospel. 
what I'm saying is it's just we have conversations all the time because the reality is there's not a person here that doesn't talk about something. You talk about, the, you talk about something in life. You talk about the weather. You talk about something. I was jogging about three months ago, and when I, when I stopped, I walked about, I don't know, a few hundred yards, and there's, this particular park has some, some benches, and there was a guy sitting down, looked like he's maybe 70 or so, and uh, I just kind of waved because I kept walking and did this, and he really smiled big. Hey, how you doing? Oh, actually, he said, boy, it's hot out here. I said, I, so I stopped and said, well, it's as hot as humid. This was a few months ago. So it's really humid. And I could tell, I knew that he was from the Middle East. Somewhere I just could tell by how he looked and also his accent. And so I said, what, where are you from? He said, Bethlehem. Now, I'm talking about Bethlehem, Georgia. I know what he's talking about. I said, he said, Bethlehem. I said, uh, really? And he, he began to talk. I mean, he, he just, he was a talker. So he began to talk. He said, I, I came here about 10 years ago. And, and so I'm kind of smiling because I'm, I'm trying to contain my enthusiasm because he just says he's from Bethlehem. Again, if I don't have a vantage of curiosity, I'd say, really? That's interesting. And just keep walking. Well, have a good day. So he says, I'm from Bethlehem. And so, but he, he, so you know, like 10 years ago, I came over here, and he began to describe some things about his life. And uh, so when he paused, finally, I said, hey, I'm sorry I'm smiling. I'm not smiling at you. You mentioned Bethlehem. I said, I've actually been to Bethlehem uh, one, on a trip to Israel one time. And I said, that... Uh, that little town means so much to me because uh, someone was born there that really has changed my life. And he said, I know where you're going. I got saved that years ago. I said, amen. But my point is that who couldn't do that? But if you begin to pray, I promise you, you hear those things all the time. You, you, you go to work and hear someone say, for example, you go to work on Monday and somebody says, be glad when Friday gets here. Ask them. Why, why do you feel that way? In other words, it is interesting. So every Monday you wish Friday was here, m- most of life is Monday through Friday. That's, that makes it most of the week. So if you always are wishing the weekend got here, and I, I understand what they're saying. They don't like their job. But my point is evangel- evangelistic curiosity leads me to ask questions about people's life. It leads me to ask questions like, you know, boy, it's gonna be, I know it's going to be a bad day. Well, what makes you say that? It's going to be a bad day. What, what, what makes you think it's going to be a bad day? But my point is just, just try to say something. And for example, going into restaurants. Uh, this is not anything new with me, but going into restaurants. Uh, just when a waiter comes, just to say, because you, again, you're going to see their name. Uh, hey, Stephanie, we're going to pray. Anything we can pray about. My pastor. Uh, just the other day, by the way, he witnesses everywhere. So just the other day, he went to a restaurant. And, uh, and by the way, I'm going to say this because everybody should be doing this. My pastor has a worldwide television ministry. He's been president of somebody's convention, been on cover of Time Magazine. I never have seen a man that does. I don't do it as much. As, I'm just telling you, I'm in awe. He just always, he's always. And I'm saying it just because you think, well, you got a lot of people in your church. He's always, he's always talking about Jesus. So this person comes over of course he does this he never eats in a restaurant he doesn't do this so if you do it enough you go find a poem you're always planting seeds so this lady comes over and i don't remember he told me i don't remember what her name was but it's on her uniform so he says so-and-so will be praying in a few minutes anything we can pray for you about and he said instantly she began to weep yeah my son just got convicted 
of kidnapping and running drugs. He's going to prison for 50 plus years. And she began to weep. For you know what? She got saved. And then she ended up coming to the church to be baptized. My point in saying that is, who, you don't have to have a television ministry to be at a restaurant and say, hey, Julie, we'll be praying for our food in a few minutes. Is there, I did it a couple days ago, and the person said, I'm, yeah, I'm going back to school. And I'm, kinda, I'm a, little, a little intimidated because you know, I'm, I'm 35. It's been a long time since I've been out of high school. Man, we'll pray for anything else. Left a good tip, was friendly, and left a little gospel track. I don't know what God's going to do with it, but my point is, you say, well, anybody can do that. That's, that's why I'm using it. Let me give you one more. Let me give you two more. So because of being intentional, to, let me give you two quick things. So anytime somebody comes to our house to do any kind of service, example, we had a little, uh, we got a new garage door motor the other day. So I knew that was coming, and uh, so I do, I do two things. It's about the only time I ever write checks is something like that. So, so this person comes, so I know I got my checkbook out. But also, I don't always use this track. I also, that day I did this, so I laid one of these tracks on my checkbook. It's a reminder to me, when you pay him, give him this. And let me show you how simple this is. So this particular person, you, you, you assume this is normally true. If you're coming to my house in Lilburn, Georgia, you probably don't live in New York or Los Angeles. You probably live somewhere in Georgia. You may live 50 miles, but you probably live somewhere. So I asked him, and I'd been nice to him. By the way, I always ask, like, want a Coke? We got sweet tea. You want some water? They almost always take a bottle of water. So I'm super nice. And then I asked this question as I'm writing the check. This is towards the end of his work. I, I said, so where do you live? He said, I live in Jefferson, which is close to Commerce. And from my house, it's probably 35 miles or so. I said, uh, Jefferson, no, that's not too far of a drive. I said, do you go to church in Jefferson? And I don't care what he says. It doesn't matter if he says yes or no. If he says no, it carries a little bit more weight. But even if he says yes, I said, well, that's, that's awesome. Then I say this, because I know his name, because you've been talking. I say, well, church is really important. In fact, I, I, I do work at churches, but it's not the most important thing. And that's always, I always look at you, not the most important thing. The most important thing is that every person has a relationship with Jesus. Now, John, do you have that kind of relationship? And again, they don't always get saved. Most of the time, they don't. You're planting seeds. I have never had anyone come to my house that did not take the gospel track. I've never had anyone says, I don't want it. And if they did, I'd just say, well, sure, would you take it? I'm not offended. I mean, because I, mean, it's, it's I can't make anybody do anything. give you one more quick one. Other day, other day, I had my car washed. Well, I know, because I go about every six weeks to that place, I know what they're going to do. They're going to. You stay in your car, they're going to come and ask you, what do you want today? When you tell them, they're going to tell you how much it is, they want your debit card. So, since I know that, I've got my debit card on my lap, and I've got a gospel track. I give them the debit card. There's cars behind me. When he comes back with my receipt, I said this. Got his name tag, so I call him by his name. I said, hey, I know you're real busy, you don't have time to talk. I'd love to give you a little, we call it a gospel track. It talks about Jesus. I am a Christian, 
And I love sharing Christ. But would you mind taking this? He responds, I don't, I don't mind taking it. And so uh, for the next couple of days, I had him on a prayer list, and I prayed. I prayed two prayers. One, I really have faith in. The other, I don't have too much faith in. So I have to ask the Lord, give me faith, because I don't really have faith in this. The first one was this. Lord, let him read that. Let something lodge in his heart. Lord, not only let him read it, let him take it home and, and lay it on the kitchen counter. Let, let someone else read it in his family. Then I prayed this. Lord, this is Lilburn. There's hundreds of churches in Metro Atlanta. Let another Christian, and this is, this is I don't have much faith. Let another Christian come through this car wash and maybe water that seed or give it another seed. Now, that's the bigger prayer there because the reality is, statistics tell us we don't talk much and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty it's why a lot of us have lived by our neighbors forever but have never we just we we have all these conversations again about rain weather hot humid baseball I mean it's all kind of thing like someone told me the other day a neighbor said for the, but the Braves won said I'm not gonna get much up they're gonna let me down uh, that's a good good uh, well you're teeing it up for me um, I hear you I hear you I've been here since 93 and you know I haven't seen a champion Ship at University of Georgia yet? They may have one this year. I haven't seen. I have seen one from the Braves. Uh, I haven't seen anything from the Falcons. They came close, but now I said, "Boy, you get let down." But I will tell you some, something that won't let you down. What's that? It's Jesus, and He just paused. Because I tell you something: if you pray every day for God to take His Word and lodge it in people's heart, it's amazing what His Word does. There's some. There's somebody the name of Jesus that's very very powerful and you just look for these opportunities to witness let me say this and i'm, I'm gonna tell you what you should say if, as you get opportunity the gym i go to when you walk in it's a gym you can go to any time of the day or not so it's not staffed all the time so when you walk in uh you got your key card and as you walk in you're supposed to put it under this thing so they know what time you're coming in and stuff but, but the reason i say this is where you where that thing is there's a big uh, counter where when the people are actually there, there's always somebody behind that counter greeting you. There's business cards. I mean, it's just a, so why wouldn't I take gospel tracts? So what I do is I don't put 100 out. I, I take gospel tracts, and in that case, I always take these little ones I've got. I keep about two or three cards out. I know they, I know they don't throw them away. The ones I put out two weeks ago were still there yesterday morning. Then I'll come in one day, two or three out. I'll see, man, there's only one left, which tells me somebody picked one up. Now, let me ask you this. Don't be surprised that I'm doing that. The question is, if you got church on Wednesday night, why aren't you doing that? In other words, that, that's not even bold. I come up there at 4.30 in the morning, nobody's there, and there's two or three people in the gym. All I got to do is look and say, Put a couple cards out. Why would, why would I not do that if I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? He, there is no other option. Why would I not look for every opportunity to try to impact someone's life for Christ? Or why wouldn't you look for every opportunity? And you might say, well, what you're doing is pretty simple. It's what's called no sweat. Who couldn't do that? Who couldn't write a check to the, to the plumber and say, well, I appreciate all you've done. I'd like to give you this. I'd like to give you. It talks about Jesus. What's the big deal? I mean, it's not hard to do, but it can be very 
impactful. And some of those little conversations like the cross and stuff, it's funny. More, more they see you, a little gospel, they'll come to you sometimes. And, and by the way, it's funny. If they're not saved yet, they'll come to you. And sometimes I, they've come to me in the gym and they're like, they'll look, I think they're looking, I hope nobody's watching. They'll say, hey man, I think my wife may be going to leave me. Really. And then, I don't ever say so. I'm thinking, why are you coming to me? They're coming to me like they come to you because when life hits you in the face, the guy they go to the bar with, they ain't interested in talking to him. But the guy who's on drugs, who they hang around with, they don't care about him. They want to know somebody who might be living or acting a little bit different. Uh, so I'm just saying you're looking for an opportunity. And by the way, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of think less of me if I said, well, I teach something like this. But I ain't going to do nothing in my gym. I ain't going to talk my name. I ain't, ain't interested. And so the intentionality is, you know, as I leave my gym, I was there yesterday morning, a couple of guys I've talked to, as I left, I just walked by and said, man, I hope you have an awesome day. And why wouldn't I? Number one, I do hope they have an awesome day. And number two, I'm using it because I know they don't have many people who leave the gym or wherever they, that their circle, they don't have a lot of folks who are looking at them like this, saying, I hope you have a great day. Hope, hope everything's going well. And I'm looking for opportunities to try to influence uh, these people for Christ. So let's end with this. Number four, show them what you're telling them. Show them what you're telling them. So, so I'm going to tell you this. I would, I would use gospel tracts. Some of you may use gospel tracts. Keep using what you have. I'm, I'm just, this is no sweat. This is no sweat track. If you went to my uh, car tonight on the d- driver's side, uh, there's a little compartment. I've got probably five different tracks. I don't use this all the time. I use it a lot. Uh, I use the ones in my pocket more just because they're from Texas Baptist Convention, by the way, because they're so small they fit in my little wallet real easy. I don't care what you use as long as it presents the gospel. But you want to have something because of this. You want to have something because sometimes that repair guy, he don't have 30 minutes to hear the guy. He's, he's actually, he, I mean, he's selling the truck. He's busy. Sometimes that person at Starbucks, sometimes that person at, at the Quick Trip, there's a line behind you. Hey, the, 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 the car wash guy, I completely understand, and I'm not insensitive. That's why I even use the, hey, I see you're busy. I'm a Christian. Could I give you this? I don't even have time to talk, but could I my point is I would have a gospel track just because you can actually give it to the person and uh, it, it, they can take it home and it is, it's but I'll just tell you this I'm, I'll end with what I'm about to tell you I'll, I'll, I'll use it as the end so as you talk whatever track you use you can use this particular track the, the, one, the one I leave at my gym is called a one verse track it's Romans 6.23. It talks about, it breaks that down for the wages of sin's death. It talks about those three or four words, what wages is, what sin is, what, what spiritual death is, and what the gift of Jesus is. It's simple. This one is what we're talking about because we're on no sweat. This one talks about four things. This is an awesome way to present the gospel in our culture. Now, the gospel is the gospel, and it's going to have to contain certain things. Uh... When I first started witnessing, I was trained by a guy who always used a New Testament, kind of like this. It wasn't quite this big. He used the New Testament, and he shared what we call the Roman road. I probably saw him witness a couple hundred times. We went out every Monday night. This, I mean, just he was, he was an electrician, witnessed everywhere. Always took it to the Roman road. Uh, Romans 3.23 for all of sin. Great, uh, great way to witness. Uh, and you have to include sin in the presentation because that's part of the gospel. 
what this one does, because the culture has changed, it doesn't start with the sin part. It starts with why you were created. So, so I'm going to go through it real quick. and do it however you want to. This is not a bad way to do it. Uh, you are not an accident. Uh, 30-some years ago when I started witnessing, culture was different. Uh, this is a great thing to tell people because a lot of folks, we live in a very negative society. I'm cautious about I, I, I post spiritual things on social media. Like, like tonight will be on my social media. Like great, great time for training at New Union. Uh, I don't talk about, and now you view that's fine, politics or whatever. We live in such an unusual, I mean, you, you, if you say who your favorite, if you say I'm glad Georgia lost, boy, somebody's, I mean, there's folks who go to church who are going to be cussing you out. I mean, it's just, we, live in a, we live in an unusual day where people say, oh, they're angry. Uh, just, we live in an unusual day, as you know. So this is so good. Who, who wouldn't want to, to uh, sit down with somebody and say something like, say, like my conversation about drinking a cup of coffee with somebody, to say, uh, I'm going to talk to you about your relationship with Christ and so on. Is well, I really, I really don't have much of one. Who, who, who would be offended when you said, "Well, Bill, let me tell you something. You're not an accident. You're creating the image of God, which is a biblical truth. Which in the Roman road comes second or third, but whatever you want to do is fine. You're not an accident." Because a lot of people you talk to today, they're from broken homes, they're from broken marriages, there's a lot of bitterness, uh, the economy's different than it used to be. I mean, there's just a lot, lot of things. They don't trust government, they don't trust church institution, and so you look at them and say, you're not an accident, and you can use whatever verse you want to use. Uh, this one used Colossians 1.16, which is a great verse. I don't use that verse as much. And if you decide to use this particular approach of witnessing, use your favorite verse. Tell you what, I know I use John 3, 16, you're not an accident. In fact, let me tell you, God loves you. And so I always do it this way. I would say, quote that verse, for God so loved the world, and you know the verse. But then I would look at this guy or whoever I'm talking to, and I'm going to call him by name, and I'm going to say, Bill, let me, let me tell you what this means. This verse means, for God so loved Bill. Now, some of the people you talk to, some of your neighbors, if, you, if they were honest, and I don't ask this question, but if you ask them, when was the last time somebody told you they love you unconditionally? They might say never. I mean, it's just not something, not the society we live in. So here's Bill, and you're saying the gospel's good news. I mean, it's, that's what gospel means, good news. Here's part of the good news. God loves you unconditionally. Because a lot of people talk to they've been betrayed by somebody in life if they've lived long enough by the way our kids growing up if not more are from broken homes i'm, I'm just, i do revivals all the time and sometimes somebody will book me a year in advance and i'll i'll show up on sunday and i have pastors say man this is the wrong sunday to have you and first time I, half of my kids are with the dad this week and it dawned on me boy divorce is and i'm not putting divorce i'm just saying it's 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 had a deep impact on people and so you're not an accident number two and, and by the way why, wouldn't, why would you be embarrassed to tell somebody in the gym, at the car wash, just wherever, hey, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your background, but I can tell you this. There is somebody who loves you. you you're creating the image of God. You're not an accident. So, so just to share those things. And secondly, we are apart from God because of sin. I actually like the flow of this. 
because it just flow, it logically flows. You just got through telling them you're not an accident. God loves you for God to love the world. Then you, then you come to this part. Bill, if what I just said is true, you might be wondering, well, if God loves me, why is there so much hate, so much crime, so much murder, so much bitterness, so much bad stuff? And it leads to the second point. Well, because we've been separated from God's perfect plan because of sin. So I'm going to talk about sin. Uh, and by the way, I love the verse here on sin, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And I always say it this way, for all have sinned, Bill, what that means is I've sinned. I'm, I, I've, you've sinned. And I ask the question, uh, Bill, you, you believe you've sinned? Nine percent of the time, people say, oh, yeah. Every once in a while, somebody will tell me, I, I don't know, I don't think so. And what I have to do, I realize I've been sent up that normally what they're thinking is, well, I've never actually like, murdered anybody. And so I have to explain to them, well, sin is falling short of God's glory. But I will tell you this, if you talk to anybody and they just don't believe they've sinned, talk about sin a little bit and then just look and say, well, Bill, it's been nice talking to you. I'd love to give this to you and I'll tell you why. If a person doesn't believe they're a sinner, why would they accept Jesus? In other words, the reason I'm going to accept a Redeemer and Savior is because I realize I have a problem I can't solve and nobody can solve it but Jesus. So then the third thing, God approached us in Jesus. God approached us in Jesus. Romans 5, 8 is one of my favorite verses. And by the way, use whatever verse you want to about God approaching us, but God approached us in Jesus. Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated or he showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm going to say, Bill, what that means is this. I got saved when I was 19. What it means is this. When I was 16, 17, 18, so on, when I didn't give a rip about God. Now, I didn't say that, but that's my lifestyle. I, my, I care less about God. God said, uh, that's okay. I still love you. Bill, when you didn't care anything about God, God's still approaching you. And I always say this. Bill, that's why we're talking about this. The reason I'm here is because I love God. And in a small way, God is using me to talk to you. He loves you so much. He impressed upon me to be. I never had anyone say, well, I, I'm upset that God would love me. I never had that happen. Never had anyone say anything like, well, I'm offended that you would actually care enough about me to, to meet with me and, and be concerned. I've, never, I've just never had that. I've had people say, Steve, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm speechless. No one's ever talked to me about stuff like this. And so just, just again, talk to them about how God approaches. And the last thing is this. You must accept Jesus by faith. Ephesians 2 is a great verse uh, that we're saved by faith, not of works, and so on. So you must accept Jesus by faith. Now, if you get this far, and again, I'm telling you, if you don't get this far, you don't go home defeated the victory is the fact you're obeying God. You're just planting seeds. I certainly at the car wash, the illustration I gave, I did not share the whole gospel. I didn't have time. I gave a gospel tract. I don't know what he did with it. But my point in saying this is you just you do what you can. You just you have as many gospel conversations as you can. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not trying to beat up anybody. I would really love as many people as possible to go to heaven. Uh, I hope everybody gets witness to it. I hope these nine million people who we think are lost in Georgia they have to make a decision. My prayer is that they at least would have somebody share the gospels. That's just where I'm coming from. But you must accept Jesus by faith. And so, if you get this far, make sure you do this. If you get this far, make sure you do this. The key question. Ask them. And I'm just going to use my guy Bill again. Bill, what would keep you from accepting Jesus right now? I actually asked it this way. Bill... Is there any good reason, now we just went through the gospel, is there any good reason why you would not give your life to Christ right now? 
Sometimes I've had this one that says, well, you know, my, my wife needs this too. I, I think it'd be good if we got saved at the same time. And I always respond, well, Bill, y'all been married 30 years. Maybe if you got saved today and went home and told her, you think that might be some motivation? I've had people say, and that's rare, I have, I've had people say, uh, well, don't I need to be in church? In other words, they think you have to be at church to get saved. Now, I explain why, why they don't have to do that. So I just answer any objection. Uh, but usually we get this far, most people are going to say, I, I don't really have any good reason. And if that's the case, lead them to know what they need to do. The Bible talks about whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's prayer. So just lead them to know what they should do. At the very bottom, you see the ABC of the gospel, admit, believe, and confess. I heard someone the day, I forget, I was around some pastor, I heard a pastor say, ABC is the gospel. I didn't, it's actually not, ABC is not the gospel. The gospel is what we've been talking about. The gospel is Jesus born of a virgin. He lived a sin-free life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's coming back. That, that's what the gospel is. ABC is your response. In other words, you've heard the gospel. God created you. God loves you. Sin separated us. Uh, you have to receive by faith. If you want to do that, here's what you need to do. And I love the ABC illustration. A, you need to admit. Now, he's already admitted it, but I'm just going back through it again. You need to, Bill, you need to admit that you're a sinner. Bill, you need to believe all that we've talked about with Jesus. And C, and I use the word C two ways. C, you need to be willing to commit your life to Jesus and confess him. Bill, would you like to do that? And I always do this. I always will say, would you, would you like for me to lead you in a prayer? But I make sure they understand that, Bill, you can, the prayer I'm about to pray, I'm going to give you a pause and you can pray it. Praying a prayer doesn't mean anything if you're not sincere. And they always say, if they get that far, say, oh, I, no, I want to do this. And so make sure you lead them that way. Let, let, me, let me close. I'm going to turn it back to, to uh, Justin. But uh, let me close by telling you, just uh, maybe a couple months ago, I had a, we, we have an annual review on our job. So my boss uh, asked me to meet with him and, uh, at a restaurant. And so we had a review. When the, uh, and again, intentional. So because it's a restaurant, when I pulled up, again, on my driver's side door, uh, I took in the gospel track. I actually took one of these in. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. It's so simple. I mean, I didn't do anything, but just to show you. So I'm going to have my job review. So it's a, it's a very much of a business meeting. And so the waiter comes, and as he's taking our order, I mean, excuse me, as he's asking us what we would like to drink, we're friendly to- towards him. But I just say this, I mean, the first encounter, I just said, because I knew we were about to start talking about the last year. So I said this, I said, hey, and, and I used something because we were right across the Georgia Bass Mission Board, which is a five-story building, all that's about to be sold, but anyway, that's where we are now. And uh, so I said, hey, we, we work across the road. Uh, Georgia Bass Mission Board, you may have seen it. He, yes, I pass it every day. I said, well, there's some things that we produce. This is one. I'd, I'd love to give this to you as a gift. Would you, would you take it? He said, I sure will. That's all I said. Didn't, we did not share anything else. We were nice to him, but it was really more of a business meeting. So it, it lasted about 90 minutes. And so we got there at 12, and by 1.30, that lunch crowd was gone. And so we had concluded our business. We, we uh, 
left uh, generous tip because always at a restaurant if you're going to witness she ought to do this anyway she always want to leave i mean more than a generous tip i'm just you just this is what you want to do so as we're leaving i'm in front of my boss and uh, no, no one else is there they're, they're, they're kind of cleaning up you know stacking the chairs they're getting ready for that dinner crowd that's going to be coming in two or three hours and so we're walking out as we're walking out uh it's kind of dark and to my left is a little corner and uh his name is uh, uh luis and luis about 45 years old 50 years old luis is sitting in a chair and and as i'm walking by i see him out of the corner of my eye he's sitting in a chair and he's like this and so as I'm walking, J.J., my boss, is behind me. But as I'm walking, I see that. I'm like, I, I just spontaneously, I'm like, and J.J. ran into me. And when J.J. saw it, he did like this. He said, hey, does that make sense? And as he says that J.J. played football, he's a lot younger than me, played football for University of North Carolina, very athletic. So, I mean, I mean it's like this. He said, hey, does that make sense? He's, all, he's on his knee right in front. Does that make sense? And Luis said, some of it does. Well, what does it make sense? It doesn't make sense that God can forgive someone like me. And about five minutes later, he prays to receive Christ. And J.J. says, when do you get off? He says, it's about two, two hours from now. He said, I'll be back within an hour. I want to go to my office and bring you some discipleship materials. I want to recommend some churches. And I say it to say this. You say, well, you didn't do anything. No. Nope. Isn't it amazing that Giving a gospel, I'm talking, this was, this was within the last two, three months. Giving a gospel track in Gwinnett County, which is either the first or second largest county in our state. Busy place. You would think you've never did this. That guy's going back to the kitchen and throwing that in the first trash can. It's amazing how often you give something and you, you just watch and you'll see somebody reading at the airport. You'll see somebody uh, you know, at, at, at the quick trip station or Starbucks. I mean, I've been back to Starbucks for where two days later, I'm like, there's a gospel track. It's, it's right back there it's like in the back counter. And I'm thinking, who all's looked at that? And it's an amazing thing if we make ourselves available and if we have the gospel conversations, which any of us can do. So appreciate Jess, Justin getting to come tonight and uh, appreciate you and your church. So.